The Law Podcasting Podcast is brought to you by Power Podcasting for Lawyers, the only how-to podcasting course designed specifically for attorneys, where you can learn the ins and outs of creating and producing your own law podcast so you can grow your practice by building authority, affinity, and trust with prospective clients and referral sources. With short, easy-to-digest video and audio lessons and a community of like-minded lawyer podcasters, Power Podcasting for Lawyers is the best way to get your show off the ground smoothly and quickly. Learn more about Power Podcasting for Lawyers at lawpodcasting.com. This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, all right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not podcasting specifically about the law. My guest for this episode is Nicole Whip, a Detroit area lawyer who serves families, helping them with estate planning and elder law matters. Nicole's an attorney licensed to practice in both Michigan and Hawaii. She started her career as a prosecuting attorney in Honolulu and then moved home to be with family in Michigan, where she originally had a robust litigation practice. But she, uh, although she loved being in the courtroom, she found that helping people fight wasn't as appealing as helping them to find solutions. So in 2012, she completely transitioned her law practice to estate planning and elder law. Nicole considers herself to be a businesswoman as much as she is an attorney, and marketing is one of her passions. That passion is what enabled her to completely move her practice over uh, from uh, litigation to estate planning uh, without a skip in beat of income, and the results uh, are a much higher quality of life for her. As a marketing channel, Nicole considers podcasting to be a great tool for any business owner, but lawyers can see true benefits on multiple levels, and we're going to talk all about that. Nicole's main podcast is called Smart Planning 101, and it's aimed at helping people learn what they don't know when it comes to estate planning and life planning. She's also just about to launch another podcast related to healthcare and advocacy called Smart Health 101. Nicole Whip, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Gordon. So tell me about your journey to become a podcaster. How did you get turned on to it and started? Well, I am... As you said in your introduction, I'm a passionate marketer. And so when a new or, you know, a marketing channel opens up, I'm always interested in it. And so podcasting became something that I became more and more interested in as I learned more about it, partly because one of my natural abilities, if you will, is public speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like with a podcast, it's just sort of the same thing, just on a different platform. You're speaking in public, you're speaking in a, in a public sense. And so it would be sort of an easier way to get out some marketing without having to spend so much time and energy writing, for example. And were you a podcast listener before yes. you started podcasting? Yep. Okay, cool. So when did you start uh, Smart Planning 101? About a year ago, so it would have been approximately, well, it would have been like May of 2014. Okay, so that's good. How many episodes in now? 
28 to about to go into 29. So I don't release a lot. And I had a hiatus, um, as you are aware, Gordon, but yeah. the audience may not be aware. I was pretty sick for some months. So I did have a hiatus as a result, but I'm back moving along with it again. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that later, but since you mentioned it, you, you had a, a major health crisis that, uh, kept you in the hospital for quite a long time and the recovery even longer, of course, had you, had you, well, obviously you hadn't anticipated that kind of a, of a time out. Had you had any episodes in the can or anything like that to, to release while you were down or, or was it? I did, but I didn't do that oh, okay. while I was, um, because I was so compromised. Well, sure. yeah. I just wasn't, um, prepared to actually even do that much to do it. And my staff, unfortunately, wasn't properly trained. So mm. that's one of the lessons, you know, in doing that. But it would have been, um, it almost didn't matter. I wouldn't have had enough yeah. um, to have kept it going for the months that I was in recovery. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you're a, a, a do-it-yourselfer kind of a techie person on this thing. Is that uh, an accurate portrayal? Yes, I'm very much, I, I'm one of the, my sort of, mode is to do something on my own. And then when I feel like it's something I want to continue doing, I'll deploy it out to um, either a VA or staff to assist with. So that's how I do it. And I hadn't gotten to that point with the podcast mm -hmm, yet. Mm -hmm, okay. Um, and uh, did you get the podcast all set up on your own and, and uh, figure it out yourself or did you have help? I did. I did it all on my own. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let me, let me actually, I, I did it all on my own, except that I had guidance from John Lee Dumas. Okay. So you did his, uh, uh, his online stuff. Yes. Oh, I very did. cool. Very cool. So you said in, in what you asked me to read as your intro <laughs> that lawyers can see true benefits on multiple levels from podcasting. Talk a little bit about how podcasting has benefited you and your law practice. Well, one, this is, and I really can say that I didn't start it for this reason, but I've seen it um, as a result of being sick, is that, you know, your podcast lives on, right? Yeah. And what would happen is the stuff that I do in my law practice is pretty complex. And it's very difficult um, in marketing to clients to always convey all the things that can and or should be done when it comes to the type of law that I practice. And I also believe very much that the best marketing is teaching people what they don't know. So the podcast really enables you to dig deep into topics and explain things as an attorney mm -hmm. to a potential client about why they need to pay attention to the thing that is important that you're trying to convey to them is important. Um, and then you don't have to continue to say it over and over. I have now on so many times, I can't tell you how many times I've said to somebody, go listen to this podcast episode, go listen to this podcast episode and this one. It's like a prescription. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the three podcast episodes that I've done that you need to go listen to and people will do it. And um, as long as it's easy for them. And, um, you know, my client base is an elderly client base. Mm -hmm or older, not always elderly, but um, older. And so you have to make it easy for them to listen. And so um, that's part of the reason that I chose SoundCloud as an alternative, um, as my hosting provider. But that's, but I wanted to make it where the 
experience of being able to listen was very easy and it didn't always have to be on iTunes. So, but it does become easy for them. So you can convey these complex marketing messages to people mm-hmm. using a podcast and it can be done repetitively without you actually having to do it. It's almost like putting out a new brochure every week or every episode that you do. And I guess you could, if you transcribed things, you, you know, you could have it available in a written form for them also. And that, I think that's terrific. In fact, I do that. Uh-huh. So you've we got do- this library of content now that you can point your prospects or your clients to when they have a question about a particular topic. You've got, I presume you have some kind of an index so you can recall quickly which episode to point them at. Yes. That's terrific. What was it that was the hardest thing about getting your show set up and running? Well, I think that with any kind of new endeavor, and especially for people that are lawyers um, or high fact finders or people that are risk averse, right? So I'm not necessarily risk averse. um, And that is one of the good things Mm -hmm. about my personality, I guess, in getting something like this done. But as lawyers, we do tend to be risk averse. That's part of what our profession and training is about. And so it's really just about just going for it, right? Doing the pod, doing be setting up a podcast and actually doing a podcast really isn't as hard as people think it is, but actually making the step to do it is hard. And that was, I think, for me, the hardest thing is just making the decision to do it and committing to it and doing it. Mm -hmm. What was what was the holdback on that? Was it fear? Was it uh, concern about how hard it was going to be, or or image issues? I think it was just more of the commitment of time and energy for me mm-hmm. was uh, was a decision I had to make because, you know, there's so many avenues that we can explore in relation to our time and into re- in relation to our marketing mm-hmm. that I had to make the decision that this was one that was well worth doing. And I did ultimately, of course, make that decision. Mm-hmm. But that was the thing that sort of held me up was, is this, is this something I want to commit myself to? Because, of course, you know, another thing that sort of all of us as attorneys share is a passion for excellence, right? We want to be seen as doing good or being great. And so when you have that part of your personality Mm -hmm. coming out and you're not sure whether you're going to be able to commit to that, that becomes, um, that can become a holdup. And so that was, I think mine. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the quest for perfection is the enemy of getting good content out regularly. And we sort of have to get over ourselves a little bit to, to get it right. Don't you think? Amen. <laughs> okay. So the show is called uh, smart planning one Oh one. Tell us a little bit about the format and structure of things and what the show is like. So my format and structure are slightly schizophrenic and I know that this is not necessarily the preferred or recommended way of doing a podcast. But I decided in the beginning that I didn't want to hold myself to a particular structure. Um, And the reason is because I want to give the content its due. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about things that are very complex. So veterans benefits, Mm -hmm. um, irrevocable trusts, why you might want an irrevocable trust, what the difference is between an irrevocable trust and a revocable living trust. Mm -hmm. You know, why do you, why is a will your ticket into probate? And these are topics that can become 
complex. And so we want to give the content, the topic it's due. And so I don't have a format for time and I don't have a format for exactly what gets asked because it's just the main, the main goal of each episode is to make sure that the topic is explained clearly in layman's terms so that any person that was listening could understand and that they could take action on it from there. And is it you lecturing at, into the microphone mostly, or do you have interviews and other people on the show? It's both. And that's another example of how mm-hmm. um, my podcast is slightly different. So I have both. I have some episodes where I'm talking about a topic and I'm sort of lecturing or um, speaking about this topic. And then I have many interviews as well with people that might be a little better suited to explain the topic than I am. And so it sort of mixes it up. But I will say that I've found that my most popular episodes are the ones that I've done. Okay. And have you, have you got a sense that you have subscribers who listen to every episode as they come out or is it all of that sort of pick and choose, um, you know, browse the shelves in the library kind of model? I think I have, a core group of people that listen to mm-hmm. every single one, but I would say it's much more pick and choose. Okay. Okay. So now let's talk about workflow. Um, talk about your equipment, what you've got set up, how you got set up and, and how you prep for and record your show and post-production, all that jazz. So I do, I am a believer and this is partly going back to that, um, you know, perfection is the enemy of mm-hmm. getting things done. So what I decided early on was that I was going to be somewhat low tech and that I wasn't going to get too hung up on equipment. So I was ooing and eyeing over your equipment before (laughs) we came on because I admire great equipment and I think it's awesome. And there's a part of me that's just like, oh, I would love to have all this great equipment. But I also know me and I don't want to get hung up on that. So Mm. I have sort of what I would consider somewhat basic equipment. I use my iMac Mm -hmm. and my Blue Yeti, and I have a pop filter, and I use Audacity, um, or I use, um, I'm having a brain cramp. Help me out here. Are we talking about, uh, oh, uh, Audition? Audition, thank you. I use Audition to um, edit, and that has, and then I just get it out there. Okay. Okay. And it's literally that simple. Oh, and and then in terms of workflow with guests, um, I do have a booking system where people can go and book themselves in to become guests. Mm -hmm. And so they just go in, they book their time much like you have. And then we get them on the, on the schedule and we just go with it. Mm -hmm. As far as prepping yourself to do your 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 solo episodes for example do you find yourself doing a lot of research and writing in advance or is it a quick outline and go quick outline and go um <laughs> i'm cool. talking about things that i literally will be sitting in my office talking to with clients about every single day uh-huh. and the same questions over and over that i get so the it's just an outline to make sure that I stay on track. But other than that, I I've spoken about it so many times. I don't need an extensive script. Okay, cool. And what about post-production? Once, once the recording is done, what's the process like? Um, like I said, I do some editing, um, in audition. Usually I use audition. I'd say is my main Mm -hmm. editing format. And then I will set it up and get it ready. I upload it to SoundCloud, which is my host. And 
we I make sure that all the tagging is properly done and you know that I have a great description. I get the web page up and embed the code on the website. And I schedule the um, podcast episode to come out when I want it to come mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And then we promote. Okay. How do you choose the topics and, and when they're going to come out? Or is it sort of whatever sort of strikes your fancy on a particular topic that week when you're going to record? So it's a little bit of two different angles. Um, I have some things that I know that I want to make sure are going to be episodes. That, so I have a list of I know this needs to be an episode, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. But I also am always on the lookout for people that are going to fit well within the podcast format mm-hmm. that I can interview. And so when those people come through or they become you know, within my line of sight, I want to grab them in as quickly as possible and get them ready to be on. So it's a little bit of a mixture. And partly the reason is because I don't want to upset the apple cart in terms of getting episodes out. I want to make sure that if I don't have a good guest on that, I have something that I'm going to talk about and we're just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And after your, your health crisis earlier this year, have you done anything to sort of put more episodes in the bank? So you have a, a little float on time? Um, not yet, but okay. I am actually right now, I have about four episodes right now that okay. are in the can and ready to go. So I'm much more prepared for that to happen than I was before. But really, I think ideally, I personally would like to be five to 10 episodes ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two or three months worth of, of content if you're doing it, say, biweekly or something. And, um, you know, yeah, that gives you a, a lot of breathing room of not feeling like you have to rush back to do something. You know, even if just the workload gets out of control, <laughs> you want to be able to to uh, still have episodes coming out. So that's great. That's great. So uh, it sounds like you put in a lot of time into the show. And I think that's the big objection for a lot of lawyers. You know, our time is our money and, and we're watching our billable hours. And uh, well, some of us are. And uh how much of your time do you think it takes you to put together an episode of your show? Um, depending on the type of episode, whether I'm using a guest or not, yeah. it's either an hour or two hours per episode. Hmm. So it's not too bad. Yeah. You're, it sounds like your post-production editing is a fairly streamlined thing. Yes. I do my best to not do a lot of editing. It's really more adding the intros, hmm. outros, music done than it is actually. I don't go through like I know that you know other people that do this, and mm-hmm. I know many people that do this, but edit out the ums and ahs, and I don't do that. I don't think it's necessary. Most of the time, the attorneys that I'm speaking to are articulate, and they can get out their message. And if there are a couple ums and ahs, it's not – that's part of human speech. Nobody's yeah. going to be too concerned about it, and I don't speak that way myself for the most part, so I just let it go. Yeah, and – it's really about showing a little bit of your human side being okay. Well, yes. And I will say that I definitely think that's probably a lot of attorneys problem (laughs) is that they don't like to show that they're human. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, the fact is, is in today's modern marketing world, you have to be human and it's okay to be human and it's okay to have flaws and it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, you just need to be good at what you do and be, able to relate to the client. And that's part of where podcasting can be so great because, you know, Gordon, we've listened to podcast um, episodes with people that are so stilted Mm -hmm. and feel very scripted. And um, that's just not, nobody wants to listen to that. 
I agree. I agree. So, so I don't do that. Okay. So you, you've talked about a, a relatively small investment in technology and a relatively small investment in time to market your practice using a podcast. Do you, are you seeing a payoff? You've been at it, what you said, 20 something episodes, um, people mentioning it when they come in or. Yes, I have, um, a lot of people that have said to me that they've listened to various episodes. I have several people that like how I told you that have told me they've listened to every episode. Um, and that gives them confidence in my skills as an attorney, I guess the, so I have seen a return and, um, in my business, that return can be quite significant per client. So I, think it's well worth my time. Mm-hmm. Also, we do, we constitute, like I was saying to you earlier, each podcast episode gets reformatted into a transcript and mm-hmm. then we make it more readable so that it's not always using the syntax or language that we would use as a spoken sure. word and made it make it more readable. And then we reconstitute that out into different areas. So what it does is when people say it's a waste of time, um, you just need to figure out how are you going to take that one piece of content and push it out to multiple platforms. Okay. Um, so we've all had those, those nightmare moments in our podcast recording talk about one of yours. If you've had any, (laughs) um, yeah, well, you know, if you get a guest, that just is out of control. Um, that's very difficult to deal with. And, and that's probably been my worst nightmares. I have one guy, I've had one or two guests that I haven't been able to rein them in. And then the episode just becomes unbearably long. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and did you end up editing down for, for yes. blank? Yeah. And that's to me the worst nightmare because then you have to edit like crazy to make the, make it a bearable episode. And that's, you know, that's difficult. It's that's time consuming. Indeed. Indeed. What about favorite moment? Most rewarding? Well, I will say that there's no question to me that when somebody comes and says to you, wow, I listened to that and I learned so much from you. And, um, when I have a lot of, I use this little, concept of a little red wagon um, in talking about trusts with people. And it's so funny when somebody comes into my office and they're like, oh yeah, I remember you talking about that. And like, they're right with me the minute I start talking about it here because they already heard me talking about it before and they know exactly what I'm talking about. They know exactly what I'm trying to convey. And that is hugely rewarding because, you know, they really listened and they're excited that they like, they remembered. And that's a great feeling. Very cool. Very cool. So if a young lawyer was coming in to chat with you just over lunch or, or whatever, and looking for a little mentoring, would podcasting be on the list of do this to get marketing going? And would that be something you'd recommend to most lawyers? Yes, I would. I, I would, I would just say that, you know, as long as you can, how you were saying earlier, get over yourself and you're willing to just be a little more relaxed about it and not try to make it sound like a law review article, Mm -hmm. then yes. But if you cannot be that person, then it's not a good venue for you. Okay. So it isn't suited to everybody, but if you've got the the style and the comfort level of uh, communicating sort of, I don't want to say informally, but, but it's, 
it is less formal than a, a written uh, treatise, for example. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. And but that's what people want. And people don't want they don't want nobody wants to read a law review article, not even lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we do as an intellectual exercise <laughs> sometimes. Right. But really, um, it, I'm not like sitting here every day going, I can't read, wait to read law review articles. <laughs> like, you know, um, and so you want don't want to be coming off and sounding like that and talking above people's heads podcasts are not the place to be doing that you mm-hmm. want to be speaking to people not at them okay so you meant we mentioned that you're going to be starting this next podcast smart health 101 what's the strategy there is this also to feed into the law practice or um uh, i mean it, i guess it could go either way so talk about that a little bit um the actual motivation behind it is not to feed into the law practice, although I have a feeling that there will be some residual benefits as a result, um, just because the topic smart health is so aligned with the issues that we deal with in elder law that it shouldn't be too much of a stretch um, for somebody to listen to that and feel like it's appropriate related to my business or my law practice, I should say. Um, but no, the, the reason that I'm starting that has to do with my experience in mm-hmm. being diagnosed with a very rare disease. And now I'm living with a chronic illness and I, I don't look like somebody that's sick. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that most people would consider me to be a sick person mm-hmm. if they saw me. Um, but what I know is that the challenges of the healthcare system are far greater than anybody can possibly imagine. I mean, it's so crazy. And having been personally involved in it, having had unnecessary surgeries, Mm. having been trying to be pushed to have unnecessary surgeries, having doctors ignore me, having doctors not listen, having a doctor totally misdiagnosed. I mean, all the kinds of things that can go wrong that I experienced. And so I want to take that experience and and have a real conversation about it because there's no question in this country that I'm not the only person that's had this experience. And so it's how do you take that? and not allow it to happen to you or make it better the next time. All right. Well, it sounds like a great one. I'm looking forward to listening. Is there anything I should have asked you so far that I haven't? Hmm. On the spot. (laughs) Wow. That's a good question. What what should you have asked me that you haven't? No, I don't think so. I mean, when, when, if we're just talking about why podcasting for lawyers, I think there was, this is the one thing that, and you may have already talked about this in previous episodes, but I will say that this is one of the things that I found to be so interesting because us as lawyers, this, you know, facts and data are also really interesting to us. And that is that people can detect confidence and authority in your, in your voice within three seconds. Mm -hmm. And so when you are trying to project out as an authority in your field, when you are trying to be considered one of the top people in your profession, a podcast can really help you get there just by the mere fact that scientifically people detect confidence in your voice within the first three seconds of hearing you speak. And so you want to be that person that is the authority. And lawyers have a great opportunity 
to use podcasting to be that person and to um, become an authority in their field. I've had two national speaking engagements as a result of my podcast. So it's well worth the time if you're willing to put the time in. That's great. Well, thank you so much for a great interview. I know I've learned a lot about about you and your strategy, and, and I think our listeners have too. So I'm very grateful. Thanks for joining me. How can listeners reach you if they have questions or want to learn more about your shows and your stuff? Well, I can be found on any social media platform practically. I'm on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Um, And of course, you can find me at smartplanning101.com and soon smarthealth101.com or my law firm website. But I'll let you go ahead and just put that in the show notes, the link to that. All right. Okay. And... um, I want to also say thank you to the listeners. Take a moment, if you would, to send us your comments and suggestions. The website is at lawpodcaster.com. And uh, if you like what we're doing, give me a review on the iTunes store. That helps the show rise up in the rankings and stay visible in search and those kinds of things. And that is going to about wrap it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you're interested in podcasting for your practice... Head on over to lawpodcasting.com and sign up to get our free law podcasting resource guide and the marketing video series that I've created. Uh, The Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is now available online, and you'll be getting information about that as well. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.